Today, we're tackling one of the common questions I get asked for people who are running webinars and struggling. Welcome to the Leverage Business Podcast, where we believe business success is about working smarter, not harder. Leveraging your time and expertise in ways that fit the digital age you and your clients live in today. I'm your host, Jay Allison, author of Leverage Consulting in the Digital Age and founder of the iSuccess Business Academy. And every episode, I'll be sharing insights into how you can apply the power of leverage to grow your consulting, coaching, or other expert services business and create true freedom and independent success with mindset, marketing, and money model breakthroughs. Because when you get leveraged, the sky's the limit. Let's go for it. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Leverage Business Podcast, where we are talking more about leveraging your time, your expertise, finding ways to work smarter, not harder. What a fabulous topic it is, because when I look at all the questions that I get in my consultations, the common theme is really about people just getting overwhelmed and frustrated and finding it really hard to know what's the right thing to do, what's going to work for me. And the thing that we talk about a lot is the idea of of rapid prototyping, of piloting and making sure people really want your offer before you build it. So if it's a course, if it's a program, if it's a consulting service, before you actually build out the whole thing and put in all the documentation and the steps and the content, you know, put it up on the platform all of that onboarding as well. Before you do all of that, you've got to make sure that people actually want it. And so the idea of pre-selling has become really, really popular. So one of the ways that people pre-sell is through a webinar. Webinars are probably more commonplace for business-to-business marketing, but they're also excessively being used for business-to-customer marketing as well. And businesses are increasingly focusing on how content can be improved, how the design of the webinar can be improved, how they can create a strategy, a story arc into their presentations in a way that really leads to that conversion into clients. Now, the problem is that webinars were working a few years ago really, really well. But now I think people have got quite wise to the fact that it's a kind of a disguised sales event, essentially. Now, whether your webinar is one hour or or something that is over three hours, the idea is that we provide a demand narrative, uh, as my friend Danny Inney puts it, um, that you provide an arc, a story arc, the hero's journey, if you like, which culminates in an offer. But the problem is with a webinar is people kind of see it as like, oh, they're going to try and sell me something, especially when it's like a one hour thing. So... Then people started working towards creating workshops. So rather than a webinar where you sit and listen, a workshop being far more interactive where you actually get something done became quite popular. But even so, it's becoming increasingly hard to get people to register, uh, first of all, and then to attend. So there's several steps where you've got to really hustle and really work hard. And it feels then a little bit pushy sometimes for a lot of people. So we're getting a lot of questions around how can I do this in, a, in an elegant way? How can I do this with ease and grace? How can I really present the value of what they're going to get from the webinar or the workshop? And although copy and titling and all of those things 
um, are important for positioning it for the right people. It's really about they're, they're looking to whether or not they actually have an hour to commit to something that they really don't know what they're going to get. So clarity is definitely the first step. But one of the things that I'm seeing in the industry now in terms of consulting, coaching, expert businesses, practice businesses, is that actually people want to get started. They want to do something. They're willing to put some skin in the game, some money to it, rather than something that seems quite open-ended. And so if you create something on the front end, which is actually a paid offer rather than a free webinar, it immediately positions it in a different light. So that's what I wanted to talk about today is firstly, why are webinars not selling anymore and even workshops where people are struggling to get people to attend and those that do attend simply aren't buying? So let's unpick some of that so that you really understand what's going on and what's changed. And then we'll talk about what to do instead. If that sounds like something you want to dive into, then stay tuned. So I get often asked, do webinars work? And the short answer is yes. 73% of business to business marketers anyway, say webinars are their best way to generate leads for their business and that those leads generally are engaged and lead to sales. One other statistic that I heard is in 2017, 66% of marketers said that webinars were one of the most effective tactics for B2B marketing. And they work for every aspect of B2B marketing, including lead generation, sales, conversion, even customer satisfaction. So if the statistics look so good, at least for B2B, why are people struggling? Why are webinars not converting into sales these days? So I've divided this episode up into three main topics that you're going to learn about. One is, why are people avoiding webinars nowadays? You know, what's going on? And for those of you who are running webinars and workshops and other kinds of free marketing events who are struggling, what can you do to increase webinar attendance and sales conversions? And third, how to leverage an alternative strategy, a self-funded lead generation system that leads to sales using a paid mini offer. So although there's a lot of reasons why webinars don't work anymore. Some of them are in the design of them. And we'll talk about that next. But there's also a bigger element. And that's just the, the general appetite for webinars in the industry today. I think people are just really careful with where they put their time. So unless you've really positioned it well, they're probably thinking, oh, it's just another webinar or I'll catch the replay or you know, I'm just going to have to sit through and listen to somebody talk for an hour. And that's not what people want these days. They want interaction and they want connectivity. They want dialogue. And if you don't give them that, they really just disengage quite quickly these days and move on to the next person. Now, you could argue that a podcast doesn't give you that dialogue. It's just me talking to you for 20, 30, 40 minutes. But I think it's a very different medium to when someone goes and watches a webinar. So just bear in mind that there's an expectation around a podcast, you know, that you're going to listen. There's not an expectation around a webinar that you're just going to sit and listen. There's an expectation that it's going to be interactive, which is why calling it a workshop where 
there's actual work going to be done. They're actually going to be asked to do things. You're going to get feedback. You're going to get questions and answers sessions. All of those things give somebody a much clearer idea of the nature of the engagement. So they're much more likely to sign up in the first place if you position it that way. They're also more likely to stay if you actually deliver it that way. For B2B, webinars are still fairly effective for generating leads and converting to sales, or at least sales conversations. But in the B2C world, we're seeing a really big fall off in terms of the effectiveness of webinars. Only 20 to 40% of attendees become really good leads. So although you could argue that webinars are still effective, there is probably an art to really positioning it well. The other school of thought is there's no point in inviting people to a webinar if they're actually not going to be able to interact in some way with you. You might just as well produce um, a pre-recorded video series, for example. So if all your webinars involve you talking at people uh, all the way through the event and then a sales pitch on the end with no means of dialogue and no means of them for really interact and engage with you, for them to participate then it's really not going to be likely that it actually does the job that you're wanting it to do. And one of the things you can look at if you are running webinars and you're really not getting sales from them is at the point at which people are falling off um, the engagement in terms of are they just not registering? That's something to do with how you're presenting and the messaging for your webinar. Are they attending, but they're not staying? So that's something to do with whether or not you're giving them what they thought they were going to get in terms of the focus, whether or not they instantly kind of don't like you very much. That could be a factor. It could also be that the material isn't engaging enough um, or that it's going too fast, too slow. There's all sorts of reasons why people actually don't stay on a webinar. So you have to think about it in terms of storyboarding, in terms of really getting people to to stay looking for the next slide, to stay looking for the next insight that you're going to share with them. It is like one of those TV series where you, you kind of give one episode, almost one scene, and then leave it on a bit of a cliffhanger to entice people to stay for the next step. So there's an art in terms of how you present your content that's quite important there as well. There's also some clues in whether they stay for 25%, 70%, you know, 100% in terms of do they drop off just as you get to the sales pitch um, or where you make your offer. And in that case, you know, maybe you just need to think about the transition a little bit more carefully, or maybe you haven't created a strong enough arc where, where you talk about your offer and what it, you know, match what they need to what you provide, that it actually makes sense that it's part of their learning. It's not something that's suddenly bolted onto the end, as in, you know, here's a load of stuff that I've just taught you. And oh, by the way, here's an offer. And that somehow the two aren't connected in your audience's mind. So these are some of the things that I work with with my clients, where we review their whole process from the initial sales page, the landing page for the webinar, through to the email nurture sequence, and through to the actual webinar itself, and then also the follow-up. So there's a few ways that you can make webinars more productive and fruitful if you're really wedded to running webinars. First of all, make sure the title is really engaging and provides a hook 
for your most relevant ideal clientele. The other thing is to keep the content engaging and super relevant. Know that your audience is aware of the fact that they maybe have done their homework about your topic already and the related market, that maybe they even know a lot more facts than you give them credit for. So your role here is to make sure you're well prepared for any questions that are going to come your way so that customers are going to be impressed by your know-how and your insight. You should never tell fibs on a webinar. That's probably a given. Um, You know, even if it's a recorded webinar, you really have to build your relationship based on complete honesty, openness, transparency, and really be authentic and use your story, even if there's some vulnerable parts of it, but use your story, use some of the things that haven't worked to present lessons learned rather than try to just only give the positive things. Obviously, there's an element of the professionalism of how you deliver your webinar. So make sure that you, you know, do a dry run, make sure there aren't any technical hiccups um, and make sure that when you transition into the sales that it's elegant, that it's seamless, that it kind of makes sense um, so that your sales offer is on point, is on message. So everyone knows that even though you're going to likely pitch a product, there's nothing wrong with saying, right, now I really want to tell you about my offer. You knew this was coming. So that everyone leaves the webinar feeling good about what you shared and good about the opportunity that you've presented to them. So I know a lot of people get um, nervous or they shy away from actually making that offer. But I was always told a long time ago that if you feel that your offer is right for the particular group of people who have a need, then you'd be doing them a disservice by not telling them about how you can help them. And really that's helped a lot um, to make me feel confident about, it's that belief, is that belief that I know that I can help people. What I can't do is help people who aren't prepared to put in the work themselves. So it's also an opportunity for you to really position who you want as a client and for people to have to almost apply to work with you. I mean, that's what I actually do myself. They have to apply to join my program. And again, that positions yourself very much more as an expert they'd be privileged to work with as opposed to a salesperson who's just, you know, pitching and peddling the product. So look, webinars are still seen as an effective tool and they can be if you do the right things and you make it effective, improve interactions with your potential customers. And, you know, there's a lot of advanced technologies now. So the technical aspects have to be smooth as well because there are certain expectations these days because people are attending a lot of webinars. They've seen a lot of very good practice and they've seen a lot of bad practice. So you want to make sure you're at the good end of the spectrum. So you can make some loyal and regular customers through these kind of events. So make the most of it if you can, especially if you're in the B2B space. But if your webinars are suffering from low attendance, so you're getting people to register, but they're not actually turning up, then it may be that you're putting a lot of effort into organizing them with little or no return on investment. So you need to start doing things differently so that you can get this strategy working for you. But if you decide that actually there's a more 
systemic problem with webinars for your particular audience, then you may want to be looking at an alternative. And we'll talk about that in a moment later. But I just wanted to draw your attention uh, to a article in Forbes, which I found really, really helpful for giving the last hurrah, if you like, to your webinar, if you still wanted to try and improve the conversions through the whole process. And I will give you the link to that in the show notes, which will be at jallison.com forward slash podcast. And this is episode 65. So you'll be able to find that back. Um, But it really talked very um, helpfully in 10 ways that webinars are broken and how to increase your webinar attendance rate. So I thought it was really focused article. It talks a little bit about the explosion of interest in webinars, first of all, and, and online conferences, online summits, virtual summits. Um, but a lot of organizations, a lot of businesses are finding that their webinar attendance um, from registrations to attendance to actually staying through the whole hour or however long yours is, that the rates are really falling off. And it's really frustrating because you put a lot of work and effort into setting them up from a marketing point of view as well as a content point of view. So it's kind of like if you booked an event hall and you paid your fee and you've got all the catering and nobody turned up, it would be really, really disappointing. Online, of course, the potential audience should be almost unlimited. So it's doubly disappointing when people don't show up. So this article talks a lot about why webinar attendance rates are low. And there's probably not a single reason, as we've sort of touched on a few things earlier, um, on, you know, what you can actually do differently. So you need to look at the whole thing, the whole strategy, end to end. And I'm more than happy to help someone, walk, you know, walk through their process with me if you wanted to have a consult about that. There's a difference between webinar registration numbers and how many people actually show up, as we've talked about before, and as well as the number who stay to watch all of it. So there is a process here. Um, and you really need to dive into the data. So make sure that you do have that data and that you are looking at it. And if you're not sure what to look for, then again, I'm happy for you to contact me and we can go through it. So in this article, the 10 things that was listed, and this is an article, actually, let me give credit to Lee Gimple, who's a contributor to Forbes, um, founder of Better Meetings. And I thought it was really good that he just really captured these 10 things. One, there's now a ton of competing webinars. Two, people are busy. Three, there's no need for them to commit. You know, if they just book it one day and don't show up, there's no issue with that. Four is actually screen fatigue. People are tired. They've been on Zoom for their work possibly all day. They don't want to get on Zoom again and attend a webinar. They're also burned out, number five, by bad webinars. As I said earlier, some of them are just not very good. Six is about monetizing webinars. There's no need that webinars have to be free. And really, I don't think there's enough being done with paid webinars and you get a much more serious audience when they're having to pay a little bit. They also turn up when they've actually paid. So number seven is attending live isn't important. So they think they're going to get the replay. So again, positioning the fact that there won't be a replay might actually increase your attendance. Number eight is there's no online engagement. I touched on that earlier. Um, 
people get to know within the next, the first sort of five or 10 minutes, whether or not something's going to be interactive. And again, in your first intro where you say what you're going to cover, it's really important to tell them when there'll be time for questions, when there'll be something that they're going to be asked to do, when there's going to be some kind of dialogue. Number nine is that it's too salesy. And we talked about this a little bit as well. Sometimes it's about the transition into the actual offer at the end of the webinar. Sometimes people are now doing it in the middle of the webinar so that there's still more great content. And then there's a kind of a refresh, a repeat at the end about your offer. But people now really know that there's going to be a pitch at the end. So they drop off at about 75% of the way in because they think they've got what they came for. And number 10 is about over-promising. A lot of webinars really pitch well on the front end, their landing page, their opt-in is really telling them it's going to be so fantastic. They're going to get so much out of it and then they don't deliver. So this is, again, something that people get quite wise to within the first 10 to 15 minutes. They can sense the, the format, the style, the, I don't know, the authenticity somehow of the presenter. So those are the 10 things in that article. As I said, I'll put the link in the show notes for this episode so that you can have a read of some of the detail in there. But I thought it was so excellent. Um, I wasn't going to attempt to cover what Lee did so um, brilliantly in that article. What I do want to move on to now, though, is if you're not going to run a webinar, if you say, you know, I can make it the best webinar ever, I can do all of those 10 ways, I can really make it um, the best version of a webinar you could possibly have, but my audience just isn't turning up for webinars then what can you do instead? There was a little bit of a clue in number six in that list, and that was about monetizing. So one of the things that's working really well is to actually have a mini offer. So a mini course or a mini webinar, something that someone has to pay for, and automatically the value proposition goes up enormously. And Almost like a subtitle for this part of the episode is how to leverage a self-funded lead generation system using a mini offer. So what do I mean by a mini offer? This is where you start promoting a single piece of content that's going to build you a list of buyers, not just a list, not just a list of people who have attended a webinar, not just a list who have downloaded a freebie that you've given away but a self-funded lead magnet. So this is where you also have the opportunity for people who have bought this mini offer to upsell to your high-end signature program, either at the point of sale or afterwards. So to make this work, uh, just like lead magnets, just like your webinar title, you're going to need an absolute core concept blockbuster idea. You need to sell it before you build it. And if they buy it, you will build it. So it's not like Field of Dreams, right? Where if you build it, they will come. I don't know if you've seen that movie. The idea was that he had to build this baseball pitch um, so that the ghosts of the famous baseball players of the past would all turn up and play a game and they could watch it and be in awe of these great historic players of the past. So Kevin Costner, who was the star of it, would have this whisper in his ear saying, if you build it, they will come. And here we're not talking about it being that way around, because if you build it, it's going to take you a lot of time. And then what if they don't come? Then you've built it for nothing. 
it's all about alignment. And so if you pre-sell it, you're making sure that your offer is aligned with the people that you want to help, the people that it's designed for. So sell it before you build it is the mantra here. What you want is a unique, simple and very results focused offer. You want a mini course, a workshop. It can be a book, an ebook or a fully published printed book where the offer is free plus shipping. But it's going to be a paid offer. It's going to be a paid course, but it's going to be a low cost, right? A low barrier for people to say yes to where they think that's what they want and they're prepared to put a little bit of skin in the game to get it. They're much more likely to turn up if it's a live event or a live workshop and they're much more likely to consume it if it's a downloadable piece of content like a course. You want to pick something that's based on your existing strengths that really plays to what you're good at in terms of the medium, in terms of the modality in terms of the structure of the content, whether it's written, whether it's audio, whether it's video, whether it's a combination of everything, and really pay attention to the structure back to that story arc for exactly the same reason that even though it's a paid mini offer, it's also wanting you wanting to lead people to know you like you trust you enough to then opt in to get your full signature program. And pre-selling it avoids you spending a lot of time on development of products that you then find you can't sell. It avoids the circle of procrastination and perfectionism and the failure, the sense of the fear of failure that, you know, what if my product doesn't work is sometimes why we, we just spent months building something. It avoids the feelings of overwhelm I talked about at the start, exhaustion and paralysis by analysis that means you never actually pull the trigger. You never put your offer out to the world. It avoids creating multiple pieces of content on social media and lead magnets that don't lead to sales. You just focus on that one unique and simple mini offer, just a single piece of content with a price tag that people can easily say yes to. The price is likely to be something that's about five to 10% of your main offer. So if you have a program or service that's $2,000, say, your mini offer should be around $100 to $200. But you can also test a lower price point, say $10, for instance, if you're using a book as a mini offer. Looking around, it seems $27 is a popular price for mini offers. But bear in mind the differential between your mini offer and your core upsell offer. If they're too far apart, you may not create enough of a bridge to aid the buyer's decision. It's really a way of also avoiding the freebie seekers and chasing clients because you're either in or you're out. If the price is too big a barrier for you, then you're probably not an ideal client for me. It's the antidote to non-converting webinars. You can scale it with ads because if it's actually a paid offer, It means you've got a budget. You know how much money it takes, how many adverts you need to run and how much the cost per click is, if you like, to generate a sale. So you know what you can afford to spend. And if you do it slowly and carefully, it could be low budget, and low risk ad strategy that can really fuel your lead generation. So I've got seven steps for you. I'm a big fan of the number seven. It seems to come up an awful lot in everything that I do. 
And I want to give you seven steps to creating your mini offer just to finish up with and then to give you a mini offer at the end. Step one, identify your unique before and after promise. You know, what is it that you're going to deliver through this product? Step two is to turn your expert process or a slice of it, the first step, the first milestone into a simplified tool or resource or a mini course. Step three, craft your results focused messaging. Really focus on your audience. It's not about you or your business. It's about them, where they're at, where they want to be and how they can bridge the gap. Step four is to pre-sell your mini offer. Get it out into the world and then run a keep warm campaign where you can even upsell to your signature program for some people who may want to take an early um, incentive, an early opportunity to commit to a little bit more. Step five is pretty straightforward. It's to deliver your course or program. So the idea of keeping it simple means that you can actually get going straight away. You don't need to have fancy websites and learning management system platforms. You can actually deliver something quite straightforwardly by email or via a Facebook group or just putting everything in a folder and organizing it in a Google Drive that you share with your participants. Step six is to scale with paid ads. As I mentioned earlier, this is a really good way. Once you know that your offer is converting, when you get it in front of the right audience, then you can actually accelerate the process by running paid ads. And it doesn't have to cost you an arm and a leg. It's really about being very targeted and building it up slowly so that you can test, test, test before you actually ramp it up. And then step seven is to gather testimonials because that's going to fuel the system more. When you can add testimonials to your sales page for the offer, then you're going to get more conversions. And that's it for today because I don't want to go into loads and loads of details. I really want to hear from you how this is landing and whether or not a mini offer, a mini course of some kind, whatever the format of that course is, whether it's webinars, whether it's videos, whether it's audio, whether it's an email course, whether it's something that you put up on a platform, whatever it is, what's your ideas? What's this sparked for you? I'd really love to hear back from you. So what you can do to contact me is a few things. You can go to my website, jallison.com, and you can set up an appointment to speak with me. And you can submit an inquiry if you want to do it that way. And that lands as, a, as an email message to me. Or you can just email me directly at j at jallison.com. And I do reply personally to all my emails. The other way you can do it if you're so inclined is to go to our submit a question page on the website. And that is jallison.com forward slash podcast forward slash QA. And I really can't wait to hear all of your ideas and perhaps be able to help you with it. I'm also going to be putting out my own little mini offer in due course. And so if you want to get news of that, then make sure that you join the Insights newsletter, which again, you can do via the website. It's a pop-up that comes up within probably 10, 20 seconds of you landing on the website. And there are also a lot of free lead magnets on my website. So that's another way to get on the list. If you go to the top menu on the website and pull down from the academy, you'll see there's a link to free stuff. 
And there's a whole host of things on there, depending on what you need and what you're interested in. So by clicking on any one of those, you'll be able to opt in. And as well as getting your freebie, you will be joining the iSuccess mailing list where you'll get all of our updates for new podcast episodes, for new articles, and where I'll be sharing any special offers that I send to my subscribers. Any questions at all, just get in touch via the different ways that I've just shared and we'll get connected. So take care. That's all from me till the next time. Ta-ta for now. Thank you for listening to the Leverage Business Podcast. Want to create leverage in your business? Did this episode provide some insights and ideas to be thinking through? If so, subscribe so you get alerts when the next one's released. If you want to learn more or would like help and support with building a leveraged business that achieves true freedom for you, then head over to jallison.com forward slash podcast to find all the resources and links that go with this show on my website and to join our iSuccess community. And if you're enjoying our content, it would be great if you could pop into Apple Podcasts or the app you listen from and leave me a rating and review. Everyone makes a difference to improving our rankings. So thank you if you've done that already. I appreciate you. So hey, that's it. Thank you for listening. I hope you've loved this episode and have some great takeaways to be thinking through. I wish you a pleasant, productive and profitable week. And I'll see you again next time for another episode of the Leverage Business Podcast. 